0: Welcome to The Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20th service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. So when I was in high school, I uh, I had uh, a—actually, it wasn't even my teacher, but a teacher— during the time that we were in high school, we had an an event, you know, every once in a while the classes would come together, teachers would come together and they'd do like a presentation or maybe watch a movie. We need more movies in school anyways. um, But we had this time where where, where the classes were together and um, the teacher from the other class overheard a few guys talking about war, talking about battle, talking about maybe one day going into the military and he got in front of the class, and he said, hey, guys, did you know that I served in the military? In fact, I fought in a war. And all the guys were like, oh. Like, well, some of them were like, no way. But anyways, they were like, oh, that's cool. And he goes, let me tell you a story. And so he starts to tell this story of while one, one day, while he was out at war on the battlefield, he's crawling through the grass and doing all this, a little more old school, right? We're a little more tech savvy now. Crawling through the grass and doing all these things. And all of a sudden, across the way, he heard the enemy just feet away from him. Couldn't see him, but heard him. And he's telling his story, and he says, and so I creeped a little bit closer and i kept listening and i kept listening and i finally said okay this is the moment so i grabbed my rifle and i stood up and when i stood up i looked forward and you know what i saw i saw the enemy just one guy staring right back at me with his rifle pointed right at me and all the guys in the class were like oh my goodness What happened? Like, you're alive. You must have shot him, right? Did you hit him in the head, the stomach? What happened? And he goes, I'll tell you what happened. We both made eye contact, and then we both ran the other way. And all the guys are like, oh, come on, man. Well, how dare you? Like, that's the enemy. And he said, you know what? Everybody talks a big game. So they get into the moment. But he said, I'll tell you guys something else. Wars are often won in a tent, not on the battlefield, as we work out strategy and order and a plan. And I never, it wasn't even the most powerful story, but I just remember him being willing to, I mean, come on, let's be honest, guys. Some of you are like, I would never tell the truth. I'd just be like, yeah, man, shot him, like six of them. No one would ever know, right? write a book about me. I mean, and he just stood up there and said, I'll tell you what it's really like. You're scared out of your mind. And if you don't have a plan, you're gonna run the other way. Now I tell you that, one, because I think it's fun and funny and it came to my mind as I was getting ready for it tonight. But two, it kinda sets up where we're going. Tonight, we are gonna start to get into the war. This is when all the guys are like, dude, it's been three weeks. I've been waiting for this. Let's go. Come on, man. You told me at the beginning there's going to be some battles. There's going to be some blood. I didn't say that, but whatever. But I'm ready, and here's what's going to happen tonight. You know what we're going to see? We're going to see a strategic spy story unfold right before your very eyes. Now, this is interesting. Think about any spy movie that you've ever seen. What makes it intense? It's when the stakes are high, Right? I mean, when, when there is, you have everything to lose, and, and man, if this goes bad, it's gonna be the end. He's gonna die, she's gonna die. The country could lose all this information. I mean, you fill in all the ways a spy movie might unfold. And if the stakes are high enough, your adrenaline will start pumping as you're watching. And what we're gonna see tonight is a moment where the stakes are as high as they possibly could be because lives are literally on the line. Now, I hope everything lives up after that. All right, let's get started. So turn to your Bibles, Joshua chapter two. Uh, it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. We're gonna go through the whole chapter tonight. So we're gonna move a little quickly and we can do that because now we're getting into a little bit more of what we call narrative text. So we can move a little bit faster as we watch this story unfold. And what I'm gonna do tonight is really just walk you through the story. I'm gonna highlight some different things along the way. And then at the end, I wanna point out a few things that I think are just absolutely profound um, and just show us things about God that, that we may miss if we just glance through the story. So Joshua chapter two, and just quickly to remind you, uh, Joshua has now taken over for Moses. Moses has been the leader for years. Joshua's now stepped into command. He is leading the charge. Joshua has been talking with God. That is massive because that means that he has a God-sized vision, a God-sized plan, and it is coming straight from God himself. And so the people say, man we will follow you wherever you go, lead the way, let's do this. So Joshua is stepping in as the military leader to lead his people. He's got a huge task, but he's got the Lord on his side, and it is go time. So let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. Let's start here. And Joshua, the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho, the city of Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Pause. Some of you are like, wasn't gonna pay attention, but now I'm intrigued. I heard prostitute. There was other things, but I heard prostitute. What's going on here, okay? Okay. Well let's look at this, so first things first, when it says the spies were never actually identified, fully identified who they are. Some uh, actually Jewish tradition, kind of Jewish history says that it was Caleb and Eliezer. Now I'm gonna tell you, I don't have any reason to say anything but just knowing about Joshua, Joshua and Caleb would have been similar in age and they would have been significantly older. So swimming over the Jordan River at night to try to sneak into a city just doesn't sound like someone that's in their 90s would do. Now that's just my thought. I mean, you know, don't judge me. I'm just saying, I don't see many 90-year-olds doing that, but hey, it could have happened. But that's what Jewish kind of kind of folklore, if you will, sells us. Now, we see these spies. Now, why are there spies, like what's, what's the idea here? Now we know they're going to scout out the land, but why would Joshua do this? Well, any good commander, any good military leader wants to know what you're stepping into before you get there, right? How foolish would we be to just walk into a room having no idea what's happening, all of a sudden you're looking for us modern times, there's just guns pointing at you everywhere, right? Well that would be called foolish. You wanna scout out where you're going. You wanna find the best entry point. You wanna find what time is best to make your way in and then you're going to make your move. So these two men are sent out on a mission to discover all of those things. Again, we don't know who they are, but we're seeing something cool. Now, to note this, they would have probably swam the Jordan River at night. Remember, we talked about this last week. It's not a massive river, but it would have been a little bit of a, bit of a swim, middle of the night. Why? So they could kind of sneak in because they wanted to see. Now, one thing we got to note, we pointed out this last week, it's worthy of a mention tonight. God has already what about this land? He's already promised that he's going to give them this land. So if you think about it, even though this theory, this idea of a military uh, strategic planning makes sense, if God's already promised it, why do they need to do anything? Why don't they just walk in and trust God? Well, remember what we said last week. We prepare we prepare, and God provides. We prepare, God provides. So for some of you, you're gonna go, hey, you know what? I think God has called me to be a doctor. And you say, I'm just, God's called me, it's done. I don't need to go to school. God has called me, right? Good luck, right? None of us are showing up. I mean, even if my arm's hanging off, I'm still not coming to you because you're probably going to do something even worse, right? Because the reality is, even though your calling may be established, there's still some preparation that has to take place. So Joshua remembers this. He understands this. And so he sends these spies in so that he can do his due diligence. Now, what we're going to see, I'm going to give you a hint to the end. What we're going to see is that this whole mission really wasn't for the people of Israel or for Joshua or his his army. It was really for this woman that we're gonna encounter. Now, that probably blew the whole story, but let's just keep going, all right? So then it says, these spies came, and they came secretly. Now, we don't want to miss some of this stuff, so secretly means that not only did the people of Israel, Joshua's people, not know about it, the Canaanites, who were the people that were in this land, the people in the city of Jericho, they didn't know about it either. It was secret from both parties. Now, you may ask the question, why would you understand from the enemy? You wouldn't want them to know, but why would you keep it secret from your own people? Well... If you remember Numbers 13, Moses had a similar situation where he sent out 12 spies to go and look at the land. And 12 came back, but only two were willing to trust God and hope that he could plan and provide the way for them to get it. The other 10 said, There's no way they're too big, they're too massive, we can't do it. And because Moses and the people followed the 10 and not the two trusting God, they trusted man, they ended up going through the wilderness for 40 years, 38 to be exact. And so what we've seen here is Joshua has learned from his past experience. Now I know all of us are wise enough to know when you go through a bad situation, you're smart enough to not make the same decision. Can I get an amen? All of us are like, that's what you call wisdom. Isn't it funny though, I wasn't planning to say this, but isn't this funny how some of us keep dating the same bozo time after time. Now that was free, just so you know, and don't look left or right, that'd be awkward depending on who's sitting next to you. (laughs) So we have this moment, they go in secretly, all right, and now they're going into Jericho. Now why are they going to Jericho? Remember, there's about seven different cities here why are they going to Jericho? Because Jericho is gonna be the one, the first one they're gonna encounter, and it's got the most fortified walls, as best we can tell. So they are gonna to have to take Jericho if they're gonna take this land. So Jericho is the first stop. So Joshua says, I want you to pay special attention here. Now there's something interesting about Jericho this city is as evil as they come, all right? Part of their form of worship was they had sex involved in their worship. That was how they worship, and we're not talking sex with their spouse. They would bury babies alive as part of their worship process. You can go back and study all of this, okay? So these were godless people, a godless city, and this city is about to experience judgment when Joshua's army comes through, but still, we need to know the plan. And so then it says, here we go, you've been waiting for this, they get to a prostitute's house named Rahab. Why in the world would they go? Some of you are like, I don't know why they went to a prostitute's house. (laughs) It was a long swim. It was nighttime. They were tired and they were lonely. Incorrect, all right, incorrect. Nowhere in scripture does it give us any indication of that. Now let me finish and I'll explain why. The reason they went there, there was actually three very, very good reasons. Here's the first one. Her house was actually built into the wall of Jericho. So her window looked through the wall to the outside. That's going to come in handy in a minute. Second, her house was what? A prostitute house, which meant men were gonna be coming in on a constant basis of all kinds. I hope you've never seen seen a brothel, but if you know anything about a brothel, typically you have all kinds of crazy, creepy people walking in and out at all hours. Why is that important? Because it would have helped them be able to get into the city and out of the city without being easily noticed. See how this works? So they're strategically out of place. By the way, if you ever do history, just looking into legitimate spies that lived real life stories, a lot of them used brothels as a meeting place with other spies because of that very same thing. So many people in and out, it was easy to be deceptive in there and to get away. But there's a third reason, and this is probably the most important. God knew that Rahab's heart was ready for him. We're going to watch this unfold. But there is a woman, a prostitute woman, in this house that is ready to have an encounter with God. Let's watch this unfold. Verse 2. I'm going to move faster. Don't freak out. There are 24 verses in the chapter. It's okay. Verse 2. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Translation, they weren't very good, all right? They were supposed to be in secretly. Verse two, they're already caught. I mean, the people are, king, they got these two bozos. They've made it in. I don't know how they got here, but they're here. We need to go get them. And so here we go, verse three. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, went straight to the source, saying, bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from. Okay, now let's look at a couple things. First, this king, he was definitely threatened. Do you know why? Because he knew what was waiting on the other side. He knew on the other side of the Jordan were. a, About two million people that they have already heard some rumors about. And so he's not just living the high life. He sees on the horizon there's a potential problem. We don't know yet if it's going to be a problem, but you can see his angst and we can understand where it comes from. But then it says, she says this phrase, I did not know where they were from. Here is the theological explanation of what this is. Are you ready? The theological word for what this is is what we call A lie. She lied. Flat out lied. And here we go. Everyone's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She lied. Lying is wrong. I know in the Bible it says a numerous times, and you're always talking, I don't actually say that, but people always tell me, lying's bad, God doesn't love liars, we don't want liars, blah, 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 blah. And so here comes this little, if you will, this little battle that takes place. Now, I want to point out a few things. First is this. The Bible reports this lie, but it's not praising or excusing it. Okay, the Bible is unfolding the story as it happened. So then you go, okay, well, wait a minute. So was it right? Well, let's not think about right for a moment. Let's think about the woman. Do you remember, and you may not understand this, but at this point in history, the Bible, and and to an extent, even God, has been secluded only to who? The people of Israel. So this woman, this this prostitute, which tells us a lot, has not had a Bible teacher pouring into her. She's not learned about God or sin. As best we can tell, she has absolutely no reason to have any view of God, understanding of God, except maybe standing out in nature wondering how could all of this be possible. This woman has no, so when she lies, we can't really be surprised. Some of us, we become Christians and we look out at the world and we go, these people are so jacked up. How can they say these things and think these things and do these things? And what we're forgetting is that they have no barometer. Now, don't get me wrong, there's right and wrong, and we got that. But the truth is, if you have someone that has no relationship with God, why would they have any desire to fulfill the things that God's asked us to do? And so when we look at Rahab, we want to be careful and not just quickly judge her for lying because the truth is, that's who she was. She was a woman with a life full of sin. But to be clear, the Bible's not encouraging it. It's what we're seeing is that God taking even a bad decision and turning it in to good. So let's watch this. The other piece of this is this idea of Eastern hospitality. How many of you have ever seen the movie uh, Lone Survivor? I remember this? Uh, I think it was a Mark Wahlberg. Do y'all remember it was a Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, there's a lot of them. They kind of blend together. Yeah, Lone Survivor, Mark Wahlberg. There's. You remember at the end of the movie, in the middle of the movie, how did he make it? He made it because a man was following a ritual, a, a tradition in their people, that when a guest comes in, regardless who they are, regardless where they are from, or regardless of the danger that's at hand you have the expectation and the mandate to take care of that person. I tell you the word. They call it uh, pastwanali, pastwanali. That's what they call it. And so that's why that man saved Marcus Luttrell even when the Taliban were sitting in his living room looking him eye to eye saying, give us the man or we're going to kill you. And he looked back at the Taliban and said, I'm not going to give him to you. I'm not going to give him to you. I will not, and now... He made it out, if you've seen the end of the movie, sorry if you didn't, spoiler alert, sorry. Uh, He made it out, and now they are friends, and this, this guy that saved him comes down to Texas to his ranch and spends time with him. Unbelievable story, but gives us some context to what she was doing. This same type of tradition took place within their people, and so what she was doing is what she understood. If a guest comes in, you take care of them. But we also know that God Almighty was already probing at her heart. Okay, so let's continue. Verse five. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. And I, I don't know where the men, so she's explaining right now. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. Take off, you'll catch them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them within the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone. So these men are standing in her house, I don't know where they are, I have no idea, and so she sends them on and says if you hurry up, you can catch them, but in the meantime, she stored them up on her roof. Now, when we think about a roof today, our houses are much different, Our, our roofs are kinda slanted, right? Pretty much all of you have a similar experience. And that's because we have AC, we really have no need to have a flat top roof. But back then, they used roofs as a balcony, as a secondary place to go to cool down, to do different things. And for instance, things like this, where they would take these plants, they would put them on top of their roof and they would use that time to dry them out so they could be used to make clothing or linen or things like that. And so what she does is hide them underneath these stacks so that no one would see them, okay? So we're seeing a little bit of the sovereignty of God take place. Also note that, the gates would close as soon as the sun went down. So she was saying, you need to hurry, because if you don't get there, the gates are gonna close, you're gonna miss them. So they take off and the gates close. Now let's go on, I'm moving a little quicker so we can get to the end, because I wanna share these things to you, I think they're so good. Verse eight, before the men lay down, she came up to them, so now we're having a flashback. She came up to them on the roof and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and to Og, whom you devoted to destruction, And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted as there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in, listen to her words, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. She never had a Bible teacher to teach her this. She's processing all of this. Now then, here's her words, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt with you kindly, You also will deal with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brother and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell the business of ours, and when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Okay, now guys, this is hard to wrap your mind around. This woman, a prostitute with no biblical education or background to God, says I believe that this God you are following is the real God. Every summer, we have Chinese students come from Shundu, China to stay with us for a certain number of weeks right here in our church. They stay in host homes with different families within our church, and we spend weeks getting to know them, educating them about America, but also teaching them about God. First of all, this is an unbelievable thing that happens that China would let this take place, but it is the Chinese government that sends them to us. You talk about divine intervention and God's sovereignty, unbelievable. But do you know what happens? When they arrive, they have absolutely no understanding of God. They've heard of him from afar. Maybe it might be possible that someone in their family had some form of a connection, but typically in the area there is no connection to God. And yet these students come and they are listening. They don't all respond, I would love to say they do, but they're listening and they're processing and they're listening to an American of a different culture and a different descent try to explain to them that there is a God in heaven that loves them. And this woman is looking at these men and said, I have seen and heard everything that has happened so far from what you guys did in Egypt under Pharaoh all the way to this moment and I have no connection to you, but I want you to know that I believe. I believe that this is the God that created that and this, and that's about as far as she understands. This is an unbelievable moment, and so she's protecting them, and we can see how God is working on her heart. Last couple of verses, and then I wanna put this together for you. Verse 15, then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. Okay, we talked about that earlier. And she said to them, "'Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way.' Verse 17, the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. We are going to uphold our end. Behold, when we come into the land, listen to this, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household, then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is in your house, his blood shall be on our hands. Okay, now what happens? He says, listen, we are gonna escape through the window, and we're gonna, it says cord, let's think of a rope. We're gonna use this scarlet rope. What is scarlet? Scarlet is red. We're gonna use this red rope, and we are gonna rappel down, we don't know how far they are, but we're gonna rappel down and we're gonna leave. But when we leave, what we want you to do is leave this rope in the window so that we know the house that's yours. Remember, they're at, it's nighttime, it's a new place, they've never seen the city before, they could easily mistake the wrong house. Leave this rope in the window and that's how we'll know. And then what does he say? You bring everyone you can from your family into this house and we promise that we will make sure that they survive. And no one else in Jericho is going to survive. This is a powerful statement. So they confirm this promise to them. And notice at the beginning, in that verse, what she was doing was sending them the wrong way so that they would avoid the military in the city. And eventually, after three days, they would make their way back to the Jordan. And here's the last two verses. They departed. They went into the hills, they remained there for what? Three days until the pursuers returned and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. So for three days they hid and they were safe. Then the two men returned, they came down from the hills, they passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun and they told him all that had happened to them and they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Now let's remember what happened. What did they accomplish militarily? I don't know if that's a word. But we just made it up. Really, nothing. Maybe well, they found a, they found a home that was marked. Other than that, all they did was give themselves away. All right. It's kind of like when you're playing uh, what? Well, not hide and seek. We don't do that anymore. What do we play? We like capture the flag, and then. You make noise so everyone knows you're coming, and it's no longer a secret. Essentially, by the spies getting caught, now it's no secret. We know that they're coming. So they've accomplished nothing militarily, okay? Yet, one thing does happen, and what is it? They are reminded one more time that God has got them in his hands. And what do they come back and say, hey, Joshua, you're never gonna believe this. We failed miserably, unfortunately. I'm real sorry about that, but... Good news, we now are confirmed again after again and again and again it's already happened that this is the land the Lord's gonna give us. Now, I only have three little things and then we're done, but I wanna show you this. I think this is so cool. Three things. First, the prostitute. Let's talk about the prostitute. This would have been the lowest of the low of a person in this city. Uh, a prostitute has no high standard. Uh, she would have been looked at. She would have been judged. Everyone knew who she was. Remember, the king didn't even have to ask. Oh, Rahab, we're going there. Let's go talk to her. Let's figure this out. All right, maybe he'd been there. I don't know. I didn't. That's too far. Sorry. She was the lowest of the low. And the truth is, some people that study the Bible get get especially some of us that are a little high and mighty. We get appalled that God would even consider using a liar and a prostitute in this moment. I mean, surely, God, there must have been somebody else better to use so the story could represent a little bit more positivity, right? But here's what I want to show you. We are not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith. There was nothing, nothing, she could have done in this moment. What she had to have was one thing, and that was faith. Faith that this cord hanging from the window was gonna be enough to make sure that her and her family would not be killed when these men entered into the land. And trust me, they are coming for total destruction. They are coming to take the land completely and to wipe out anyone that's in the way. And this woman had faith. She had faith so much that she risked her own life, just like that man in Lone Survivor, as she stood face to face with the men of the king and said, "They." Are not here, or we'll translate better, I'm not giving them to you. I'm not giving them to you. She had to have faith to put her life on the line, and then to trust. I mean, well, she could have what? Bailed out, hop out her own window, and head for the wilderness and figure it out, right? That's what some of us do, let's be honest. As soon as something bad happens, we bolt out we're not very strong these days, right? We don't hold our ground, we're out of here. Man, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do about this, so I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, right? right? Oh, this relationship went tough, this friendship is tough, I'm out of here, I'm, I'm done with this. And the truth is, that's not how we're supposed to live. But this woman says, no, 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 I, I'm gonna stay right here. And what does this tell us? Listen, I need you to hear this tonight. Some of you have already dealt with this, but I wanna remind you, all of us, so we never forget this, there is absolutely, absolutely nothing in this world that you can do that would stop you from having a relationship with Jesus if you will simply put your faith in him. And our culture's jacked up, all right? There's a lot of things that probably could be on a list of, hey, if you do that, you're on your own. But that's not how God operates. He says, all you have to do is have faith in me. And there's this scarlet cord hanging from the window. Why? Because a prostitute had faith. And I'm not pointing her out because she was a prostitute. I'm not saying they're any worse than anyone else. This is just our story. But this is the lowest of low. And yet God is using her strategically in this moment. In fact, God's not done with her yet. Do you know what's in her future? You ready for this? Do you know what's in her future? A wedding wedding. Some of you, like, I didn't see that coming. It's part of being a good spy story. A wedding. Watch. Okay, maybe I exaggerated that. I'm sorry. Look at this in Matthew, that old book Matthew. It starts with this powerful, the most inspirational scripture you will ever read. Go home tonight and just read through the whole thing. You're going to be blown away. It's a genealogy, name after name after name after name after name after name. all all for almost a whole chapter, and then we get to the birth of Christ, but I wanna show you something. Look in verse four, five. Verse five, it says, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Rahab and Solomon are gonna have a son, and his name is going to be Boaz. If you don't know who Boaz is, you got work tonight. That's great. It's a good chance for you to study. I don't mean that mean. That's awesome. You need to figure it out cuz it's a powerful story. Listen, what God says is, "Hey, Rahab, by you putting your faith here, I am inserting you into my story." even though you're a prostitute and a liar, just to add the story. All of these things can't stop you from me if you will have faith in me. In fact, I'm gonna take you to a place. How many of you, if I were to tell you when you became a Christian, the first thing I said is, man, you know, our our savior is Jesus Christ, you know, in his genealogy, there was a prostitute. Somehow, we got down. But it's okay. That's if I started with that, some of you'd be like, mm, kind of weird." I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm tracking with this. But oh, when we see the sovereignty of God, the beauty of His grace, and how faith can take anyone. And listen, there are some people even here tonight that are maybe even believers that are still struggling. They're still struggling. Maybe even today, you started looking at stuff, you started doing stuff with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever the world is for you and you're going, man, I I am struggling. You need to understand something. God says that your sin is forgiven. You're not given a pass to be stupid. Let's just be honest. But your sin is forgiven so you don't live like you are trapped anymore. Because of your faith, you are saved, not your works. But I sure hope your works would reflect the faith that you have found in me. Because remember what we were singing early? At the very end there? We said everything and nothing less. Everything and nothing less. Why would you sing that? Why were you singing that? It's a question. Why? Everything and nothing less. Okay, so what? Your, your PlayStation? Well, I mean, all the money in the world, what? Everything and nothing less? Why? Because he gave everything and not a thing less. So let's be honest. Sin doesn't entrap you. As a Christian, you are free. But at the same time, because he gave everything and nothing less, so we should too. And for Rahab, she had a wedding in her plans. She was going to be renewed and restored. Marvelous. Now, there's another one the scarlet thread, right? A red rope. Powerful, right? Wow, great. All right, move on to the third one so we can go home. Listen, watch what happened with her. Despite her good deed or her promise to protect these people, without the cord, she was not spared. Without the cord, she was not going to be spared, okay? Now, the cord is red, the cord hangs down, okay, so let's play symbolism here. Red would represent what? The blood of Jesus, so in essence, it would represent Jesus. It hangs down from the window, right? Just like Jesus came down from heaven with the hand stretched out for you and I. Listen, he did not come here so that he could experience life with humans. He gained nothing from that. He left perfect paradise to come down with us jokers, all right? He literally extended his hand from paradise and said, I'm coming down because I love you. So just like that cord is hanging from the window, but then also notice, as soon as they left, what'd she do? She put the cord in the window. It was immediate. She said, I believe, I see, I have found a way, I'm going. And so many people there were like, well, I'll figure it out later, yeah. Maybe when I get married, I'll do the whole God thing because I'm living my freedom days right now. Here's the truth. You can know about God. You can go to church. You can even read the Bible. But until you take the cord or the hand of Christ, you have nothing. You have nothing. Remember we did the illustration with the, um, the $100 bill? Right? Remember that? And and I said, hey, this $100 bill is yours, right? And and my man was up here and he's like, yeah, great. But the problem was I was still holding on to it, right? Because it was his, but until he took it, he didn't own it. Listen, it's the same thing. God says, my salvation, my freedom is for all of you. But don't just think because mama raised you in the church that you're all good. No, you got to figure this thing out on your own, You've got to make your own decisions and then you've got to step forward. Scripture says to confess with your mouth that I am Lord and to lay your sin at the cross to take my hand the picture is this god is all around you all the time 24 7 right sometimes we'll pray and we'll be like god we pray that you'd be with us and and really it's really so silly because he's already here like he's here he's not going anywhere he's everywhere all the time all right so when you're at home in your room and you're like oh nobody sees me wrong god's sitting right there with you just let you know so think about that next time you're doing whatever you're doing all right the reality is he is everywhere but until you say come in he honors that he doesn't like it because he loves you but he honors that until you invite him into your heart, till you accept the cord. He doesn't leave you alone. That's why you, you go through incidents in life and you're like, my life's falling apart. And God's just like, I'm just trying to get you to see me because I have the saving faith that'll keep you from hell. I just want you to see it because I love you. All right? Life gets harder and harder because he, wants you, he loves you that much. Anyway, the scarlet cord, last one. Three days, this is just for fun. Three days. Three days they waited. What'd Jesus do in the tomb for What? Three days. Listen, remember this. Remember this. This is so good. I'm, I'm going to leave the right side. Come remember this. We don't have salvation with just the cross. It's the cross and the tomb. If Jesus just died, we have nothing. We have nothing. But when he rose again on the to- in, the, in the tomb, when he rose from the dead, that was the conquering of sin. On the cross is when he took it. At the tomb is when he conquered it. And that's how you and I can say, I can have faith in God, and I can walk freely into this because I know that if he can conquer the grave, he can conquer my sin, and he can give me life even after death. Wonderful. So three days, three days, just like Jesus was in the tomb. It's interesting. I'm not, I, okay, one, one thing. There's this little moment. I I just, I I wasn't sure I was going to share this. There's this little moment when Jesus died. Some people wonder, like, what happened? What was he doing? Like, was he camping out in the tomb? I don't have all the answers, but there's this little verse in 1 Peter 3, and just a little little tiny verse, and it says this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, here he goes, being put to death on the cross in the flesh, his body, but made alive, In the spirit, verse 19, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Boom, done. Y'all have a great night. Did you catch what happened? After he died in the flesh, some point in three days, imagine what was happening. Satan and his demons, we won. I didn't even think, you ever won something? You're like, I didn't think it was possible, but we did it. Satan's like, he's dead. Jesus died on the cross. He's done. It is finished, you jokers. He is done, it is over, Jesus is gone, this whole thing is broken, busted, fallen apart, and then it says in 1 Peter 3 that he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, to the spirits in hell, and I I just get this picture, now let me care if I don't want to over exaggerate it, but I just get this picture that they're they're celebrating, I don't know how we won, but we won the Super Bowl or whatever great thing you can think of, and Jesus says, uh, hey guys, How you doing? How's the temperature? (laughs) It ain't changing. And he walks out. Now, I don't know if he said that, but I just get this picture that Jesus said, you thought you owned me, you thought you got me, and you thought you got my people, but I told you from the beginning, Lucifer, you didn't stand a chance against me, because I have conquered the grave, and I have conquered death. And listen, guys, why am I telling you that? Because you need to know it. And we need to live like it. This is an Old Testament story that has nothing to do with the cross. I mean, we're so far away from the cross and yet look at the beautiful symbolism that God has portrayed for these people to see and for us to be reminded of. God says to you, and this is how I'll say it, and this is how I'll close, there is nothing you can do that will keep you from me if you will simply just have faith. Grab the cord, grab my hand. And then if you do that, don't forget, you now have the power that conquered the grave living inside of you. Walk out of here like that is true for you. We're never gonna be sinless, but let's let's stand our ground a little bit, right? Let's not do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. That's insanity. Let's stand up and say, you know what? I have the power to conquer sin inside of me. I'm going to start doing this. I want to stand for God, and I want to stand strong. Why? Because he has made a way. Beautiful reminder. The spy story's done. The war begins next week.